Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I am Sarah Buddery, and we don't have a guest this week. Uh, we were meant to, but unfortunately, he is not well. So uh, wishing Mark get well soon. He will be coming on the podcast very soon, uh, <laughs> but it is not It is not this week, uh, which is absolutely fine. Uh, <laughs> these things happen. And if you're ill, you know what? It's just a podcast. It's really okay. Get get better soon, and we'll be we'll be waiting yeah. when you're <laughs> well and recovered. Um, so we are talking about uh, this week's scene. The timestamp uh, is one hour forty three minutes. Uh, dead on to one hour forty four minutes and five seconds. So a minute and five seconds of the film. Uh, and in this bit, the the shark. They've now got I think two barrels on the shark. The shark is beginning to pull on the ropes uh, and turning the boat. We get a, a great line from Quint about the taxidermy man and the, the thrill he is going to have uh, <laughs> when they bring the shark back. Um, the, they start to lose one of the cleats at the back. We get Brody spotting the oxygen tank before near disaster, potential near disaster. Uh, and then Quint uh, slightly stumbling his way to the front of the boat uh, to take a shot at the shark. Uh, which he makes uh, just just below the jaw, the jaws uh, of the shark, if you will. Um, that is about it. So just a fairly short scene this week, but as always, lots to get into. So MJ, what did you pick up on in this week's scene? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> uh, the big thing I noticed is how scary it is uh this scene is not as scary quote unquote as like the bin gardener scene or even the shark like attacking the boat the orca at night but it it, it has this sort of um you know at the risk of sounding a bit scorsese about it <laughs> this roller coaster like effect where like the previous scene it kind of ramps up uh not necessarily tension, but a lot of stuff happened, right? Like, um, we got the barrels, and then we got them on, and then Hooper uh, gets caught in the rope, and he escapes, and that's like a little, like, false dip on a roller coaster type thing. And then they kind of even out. Like, every the, that scene ends as we head, head into this one, and Hooper's safe, he's fine, he's, you know, maybe going to be a bit sore, but it's everything's pretty calm. And then uh, they start to feel the tug on the boat this time. And the way the boat moves, like it does this, this like almost 90 degree turn mm. in the water and knocks Brody and Hooper off balance. Uh, it's really great. Like it feels like there was this calm where you're kind of going up the hill and then it just kind of releases before you even know it. And you're like, oh my God, they're, they're, um, they're getting pulled by the shark now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it also does a good job of representing that like this threat is getting closer and closer to them. Um, before they had the separation of like, the barrels are not on the boat, right? Mm -hmm. Like the barrels are, are just in the water, uh, attached to the shark, bobbing along doing their thing until the shark detaches the barrels from itself. Now they've got the they've got the shark physically connected to the boat. Mm -hmm. And that's uh you know that's ultimately where the shark ends up is on the back of the boat. Mm -hmm. And so this is just like it's escalating that like as this film goes on it's inching closer and closer to getting to its ultimate destination which is on the orca. Mm. Yeah, that uh, roller coaster analogy is actually a really good way of describing it because there's a lot of moments of potential danger in this scene that are then sort of uh, resolved or, or you know, will come back later kind of thing. You know, the the oxygen tank that we mentioned, we'll, we'll probably talk about that a bit more, but Brody like yeah. immediately becomes aware of of that as a potential danger and it, it happened earlier where it where it got loose due to, you know, him not tying the correct knot and obviously we know how important the tanks end up being later on but that could have been potentially really dangerous if that if that had been loose like it was earlier because like you said that boat is completely tipping over almost and 
it throws the characters over as well. I mean, particularly Hooper and Brody, they're sort of caught a little bit unawares at the back, but, you know, and it's not like a heavy item, but there's like a bucket that kind of like slides into Hooper as well. Like there's a lot of things happening mm-hmm. in, in this bit that could potentially cause one of them, one of them some harm. And, and Quint is on the top of the boat as well. Like if, if it, tips over at a great speed or the right angle or whatever like he is going overboard basically i did notice though that that quint is i think the only character who sort of anticipates what is about to happen so as the boat is starting to turn and tip he like grabs on to like the left hand side or his left hand side Mm. of the of the orca so he is anticipating it whereas whereas hooper and brody sort of slide around uh, a bit but it doesn't result in an injury like it did for for Brody earlier so he's got his sea legs a bit more and uh I really like that movement from Brody where he sort of he ends up on his front and the camera is sort of like right in front of him and it's when he spots that the oxygen tank is sort of moving around he's like a I think I wrote in my notes that he's like a like a coiled viper or something he's like he's suddenly he's not the same Brody that we saw earlier in the film whereas unaware of the potential hazards around him you know having spent enough time mm-hmm. on this boat now and been around Hooper and Quint he is a bit more alert to to these dangers and we actually see him as well very very well the most confident we've seen Brody I think in in looking at the shark is he's pretty he's pretty much staring down that shark as it's like chewing through the rope um mm-hmm. and kind of like looking at him and he's like i can't remember the exact line um i try and find it in the script but he's he's not kind of cowering away he's not backing away from the shark he's not trying to get into the cabin he is sort of like down at the back of the boat with with hooper sort of like in the thick of the action and is unusual i think for brody to sort of see him that confident when the shark is literally chowing down that rope trying to get trying to get to them yeah is that where he says look at that mother yeah i think it's right after that um i do really like that line as well because it's just like (laughs) it's so close to being a swear but it's not (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um oh and then he says uh is it hooper who says he's eating right through the line or is is that what brody said brody says um uh, so well, yeah brody says he's eating his way through the line yes and hooper says he's working his way right up to us yeah i think that was the line i was thinking of because it's rather than sort of being like help we need to do something it's quite an observational comment from from brody mm-hmm. he's just like saying what mm-hmm. the what the shark is doing he's not he's not screaming it he's not backing away like i said he's just kind of like yeah, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming right the way through that line. I would read that line very differently. I would be. Uh, I don't know how far you can run on this boat. Not very far, but I would be going in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, he. It. It almost feels like he's really coming to his own with that because he. Um, what am I trying to say? It is observational. I mean, it's almost like he's doing shark science like Hooper, right? Mm, like uh-huh. he he just is noticing these things. He's not reacting necessarily. Um, but he's he's like, hey, that's happening now. Um <laughs> I don't really know what to do with this information, <laughs> but I have it. Uh and Hooper doesn't really react either, which is great. Like he's just like, yeah, he's making its way up here yeah he's not like you dumb bitch of course he's of course he's eating his way through the line (laughs) yeah but hooper also is somewhat dumbfounded as well like he's just like yeah he's uh coming this way (laughs) don't really know really doing that (laughs) yep it's actually happening i love the shot of the shark in this too i think it's Mm -hmm. great um it looks it looks really neat uh just uh it's like far away, but you see the head poking out mm. and it kind of, of moving around. Um, I don't know. I think it's a great shot of the shark. I think it's one of the more overlooked and underrated shots of the shark. Like it's not, you know, big and scary, but it's just like it's it's almost got like a um, uh, 
sort of a zombie feel where it's like zombies not mm. intensely scary shambling towards you, but it's like the amount of them that displays like the power and numbers type of thing. Yeah. Like the shark isn't moving particularly fast towards the boat, but it's moving towards the boat. And we know that this thing is super powerful. Um, so that's where the fear lies. You know, it's, it's not super duper in your face. You know, we closed, we closed the bathroom mirror and now it's behind us immediately. It's, it's mm-hmm. this, looming threat which is almost a little more existential yeah it's it's i think this whole scene is really an underrated display of the shark's power because just the shark's ability to turn that boat around and kind Mm -hmm. of like tip it over as well and even the way that you sort of see like the shot you mentioned with the shark's head popping up and the way it looks like it is you know, chewing the line to towards them or chewing the rope towards them. And that's what the characters tell us as well. The thing that I sort of thought about that is it's like the the shark is the fisherman, basically, and the the orca mm. is the catch in this in this instance. And because what happens when uh, this is my very limited experience in fishing, but when you are fishing, obviously the the line is sort of fairly fairly loose but then when something bites obviously there's there's tension in the in the line and you feel something pulling Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. obviously depending on you know what you are catching is is it if it's pulling away with the line then obviously you're gonna see see the line move in the way that we see that bit of rope move on the on the back of the orca so I really like that and it's sort of uh taken us back to that bit with with Quint like very confident sat in his chair on the back of the on the back of the orca trying to reel in the in the shark then and we we get that moment as well when the line is sort of pulled out and something has bitten whether it's the the shark or not but even though obviously they on the orca they are trying to catch the shark it just feels like in this bit that the shark is just kind of playing with them a little bit and that bit when you see its head pop up does feel like that as well because it's not a normal way to to see a a shark behave but it is like the shark is you know initially trying to pull the boat over like the orca is the shark's catch and it's like great we got a bite i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna pull them in and then when that doesn't work, then it sort of tries something else and then starts, you know, chewing its way up the line. But I just thought it's really, it's really interesting. And I, I agree. I think this is a an underrated shark appearance as well. It's one that I think, again, the people who just love to mock how the shark looks are like, ha it looks funny with its whole head poking out and its jaw moving up and down, but yeah. not really understanding sort of what exactly this this scene is doing i mean we are into like the last getting into the last like 15 minutes of the film now like there really isn't isn't that much left so yeah seeing the shark acting in this way and doing these unusual things it's like it is constantly trying to outwit them so they've still got like a battle on their hands they're they're gonna have to try something different which is what we see when hooper gets in the cage and sort of goes into the shark's domain because the shark is trying to get into their domain the shark is trying to get onto the boat (laughs) which which we do see happen later as you mentioned but that's that's when it's sort of like okay these tactics aren't working and you have to see all options exhausted really before you know that idea of hooper going in the cage before they decide that's the that's the only thing they've they've got left in their arsenal yeah um i'm gonna mute myself real quick i'm gonna there's something I want to pull up, but I'm going to mm-hmm. listen to it first to see if it's relevant from my memory. So, one <laughs> second. One hour later. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, I will play this clip um, because I don't think I could say it better than Carpenter, uh, even though I don't agree with him. Um, so, we've talked a lot about the influence of Jaws on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen the clip of Carpenter on the Halloween set talking about George Lucas and Steven Spielberg? I don't think so. Okay, well, he says he doesn't care for them. Um, <laughs> Classics. <laughs> so, uh, which is 
super funny because you would never see a director talking the way he talks about these. Like, he's not like, I fucking hate them or anything, but like, <laughs> he, uh, I'll play the clip. It, it, it kind of ends with him talking about, he says he thinks George Lucas made one good film and that was American Graffiti. <laughs> and this is kind of the end of that. So he, he talks a little bit about Jaws, but then he talks about Close Encounters. And then he talks about what makes a good director. Uh, so that's what this clip is. I think uh, Steven Spielberg draws with the. They made a lot of money. That's not quite the same as being good. You like Jaws, but you didn't really like Close Encounters. No, why? No, I didn't. I didn't care for it. It's just again, it's, it was pretentious, and I think it got out of control, and I think he lost control of it. And there were parts of it that were not well done. I don't, I just didn't care for it as much. Didn't have a single purpose in it. It went off in several directions. Um, one of the things I admire about a great work is that even if it's flawed, that the director is in, completely in control of it. And it is in a... He directs the film or tells the story with a great deal of authority. Okay. So I don't want to argue with Carpenter about Close Encounters, although he's super wrong about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, calling Spielberg pretentious is one of the craziest things. We talked about it last week. I don't know where that comes from. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I will never understand that. Anyway, <laughs> we talked about that at length last week. I do like what he says though, about like a great work, a director is like, they, they do it with a lot of authority. Um, and I think that this film is the perfect example of that. And like, obviously he says he likes Jaws in it because I think he would be lying if not because uh one he takes I mean I know it was in Black Christmas as well but he takes the um the the first shark perspective thing and gives us like Michael's perspective at the, like right at the beginning mm-hmm. um and then this I mean it does sort of feel like a Michael Myers situation again where Michael Myers not inherently that scary because he's just like kind of big and loafing around but he's so powerful mm-hmm. that that's what makes him a threat um now one of the things is that michael also has a flair for the dramatic which the shark obviously doesn't <laughs> have but there are several shots of like one of the one of the sort of memes over the course of the 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 series is that he like Michael Myers will, he will kill someone, right? But then he'll, he'll like stage a little diorama with the body after. (laughs) And it always is the funniest part of Halloween to me. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was the only good part of Halloween kills because uh, we get to see a look inside his creative process. So um, mild spoilers for Halloween kills, not really. Michael Myers kills a guy. I don't know if you knew that happened in that movie. Um, (laughs) And so he kills this this elderly couple. And then in the next shot, we see like there's a shot of the wife laying there dead. And then he has taken the body of the husband, put him on the counter and is just <laughs> um, he's taking every knife this couple has in their apartment or in their house and stabbing the guy with it. He's already dead. <laughs> he's just putting every knife into him systematically and it's just this like it it's it's this this bizarrely mechanical thing where he like he has the knife block on their counter guys laying there dead he grabs a knife he stabs the guy he turns he grabs a knife he stabs the guy and uh it made me laugh out loud but it also weirdly reminds me of this scene once again shark not particularly theatrical um, in his killing, but just the way that he he almost has this calling card of, you know, toying with them, like you said, like, mm. oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let them get the shot off and get them, let them have the barrel in, uh, in me, but then I'm going to chew it off and then I'm going to force them to grab it and then I'm going to pull the boat. Like, it's it's still very methodical. It feels like, which obviously we've talked about a lot, heightened sensibility for the uh, the, the the shark to have. 
But what I really like about that is that it's a decision made by the creative team behind the film to make the the the, the threat feel very real mm-hmm. because, and we've talked about this a lot, a lot of the time, the shark would probably just kind of leave eventually. Like, especially if after the 4th of July attack, everyone stopped going in the water for a little bit. That shark's not going, like, it's not hanging around. There's mm-hmm. no food for it. You know, after the after the Fourth of July, I guarantee you that they shut the beaches down, and uh, it's it, it'll leave. So they got to do something to make the shark feel like an actual threat, and that involves making it act against its nature, which is fine because movie. And this is a really great authoritative way because when I say that, it sounds ridiculous <laughs> that the shark would have this sort of thought process but it doesn't feel ridiculous because it is directed with such authority mm-hmm. and edited with such authority that it's like oh yeah this is what the shark does mm. i was just as you were talking was just sort of like watching that bit back again and it's funny because the the shark kind of changes its tactics after quint says <laughs> says the line about like back home we got a taxidermy man he's gonna have a heart attack when he sees what i've brought him and it's after that that the shark then goes from kind of like trying to pull the boat over to then trying to chew its way through through the line and get closer to the boat, basically. So part of me is now just like, the shark has heard Quint say that, and he's like, I'm going to turn me into a taxidermy. It's like, I don't <laughs> think so. He's now just kind of changed tactics and is, it is trying something else because basically i th- i mean i think what they're trying to do at this stage is obviously with enough barrels in in the shark and now with the shark being attached to the boat the idea is obviously to take the shark into shallow water or shallower water so that the shark you know can't breathe and then obviously they're that's then hopefully taking them back to safety or if it's in shallower water they'll be able to get at the shark more easily in order to sort of finish it off but I just think I I feel like that there's something in that in what you were saying as well. And this it feels like at this at this point the shark has got like a little bit of a sense of humor, and I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm gonna make you look like this guy. Uh, is is what the. <laughs> That's what Michael Myers does to the guy. He uh, he makes him look like that guy. Um, <laughs> for the for the audience, this is a novelty knife block uh, where you stab your knives through a little guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> very funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, when I saw Halloween Kills, and that part came up. That was literally all I could think about. Um, was that I had seen that that little guy. As a matter of fact, if you want to find it, you can just type in guy knife holder and uh, it'll come up. (laughs) And I know that because that's literally what I searched. Guy knife holder. The description of this uh, novelty knife block, I would just like to say, it says men are jerks in the description. Oh. (laughs) Even just in the little bit that you sent on Discord, like it's got... uh, Novelty five-piece stainless steel knife block set with unique holder, premium stabbing, um, my favorite kind of stabbing. And then yeah, it says men are yeah. jerks. So <laughs> good times. Yep. Oh, <laughs> if you spend $90, you get five of these little guys to hold your knives. That um, is too many knives. If someone is ordering five of these, yeah. I've got questions. <laughs> Maybe we should get these two Michael Myers. Maybe that's all he's needed this whole time. Mm. That's it. He he just he's been trying to find the right knife block for him, and he's just not been able to mm-hmm. do it. He tried, and that yeah. guy wasn't it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a knife block Goldilocks. He's like this one isn't shaped like a guy enough. This one is too big of a guy yeah. to do my premium stabbing on. Mm-hmm. But if we give him a five pack of these, maybe that that men are jerks guy mm-hmm. is just right. We fixed it. We've, <laughs> We've cured Michael Myers. They don't have to make any more of these films now, even though they will. <laughs> but maybe that's the resolution. We don't know. Halloween ends. The next one is called Halloween Ends. 
it so... ends with him getting a package, uh, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> and he opens it up, and we just see his his wee little face smile. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> uh... What a stupid idea! I love it. I want so it. Dumb. <laughs> That's so the dumb. film I want to see. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the real Halloween was the Amazon Prime packages we ordered along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh... (laughs) It's so dumb. So we have two things here um, that are, nope, no, we don't. I'm a liar. Uh, We have one thing here. (laughs) Well, actually, hang on. Let me see. Uh, Yeah, we have, oh, shit. It's a shotgun that uh, Brody uses, right? At Uh, the end? At the end, yeah. Okay, never mind. We have one thing here. Uh, I thought it was the harpoon gun. Mm. We have one of our major uh, our major players in the uh, the shark's demise uh, mm-hmm. or demise if you're uh, if you're Quint. Um, and it's the second time we've seen it. It's in a different location now. They've isn't it? Yeah, I think right. They, they restore horizontally, like kind of near where the bats are. Yeah, on this like on the side of the boat, and now they're like behind mm-hmm. the ladder, which is much more secure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but even the shark kind of knocks one loose, and mm-hmm. then uh, Brody immediately is like, he remembers. He's mm-hmm. he's picking up this knowledge along the way, much like his you know when he is delighted to to finally understand the knot, um, which is sort of the symbol of him, like kind of getting his sea legs under him a little bit more than he had. Uh, Brody, he knows now he's, I'm not going to let this happen a second time. This is a big deal. It's a really great sort of Chekhov's gun type of moment Mm -hmm. where, Hey, we've now drawn your attention to these twice. Uh, Maybe think about that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And also if you look on the back of the orca, when he does that, you'll see situated right in front of that ladder, yellow flag. Mm-hmm. Um, so the color yellow is not just representing when a human gets killed by the shark. The, the, though it does, you know, it's not directly connected to Quinn. It's, con- it's closest to Brody. This is showing that Brody is going to be the one to take down the shark. Yeah, that's a really, really good point, actually. I because the the yellow flag, it's hard to see what it is, mm-hmm. but is it is it one of the chum markers? Because I'm sure those had yellow mm-hmm. flags. Or yeah, it's just I think a, so. It's the same material, at least that's just kind of hanging there. But yeah, it's it's planting these small seeds that or ideas that that Brody is going to be the one to have a, a very important part to play later on. And I would just like to bring up again to anyone who says that Brody doesn't really do much in the second half of the film or he's not a major player. Like the first half is kind of all about Brody. And then as soon as they're on the orca, he fades into the background. I would like to kindly ask that those people watch this film again because Brody's arc is so complete <laughs> on this second half of the film and we talked a while ago about how basically the second Brody steps on the orca he kind of goes through growing up like all over again we sort of talked about his you know being taught to tie the knot is like you know being taught to tie your shoelaces and then he has his stroppy adolescent phase when he doesn't want to listen to the guy who's who's telling him what to do and then he he makes mistakes as we see with the with the rope and the oxygen tank earlier and now he's learning from them and he's correcting himself and he is growing and changing this whole time so it just because it's more subtle and just because he you know maybe in the sort of like the big action scenes and stuff or the moments with the shark like yes it is more hooper and quint in involved in those scenes and we've seen Brody kind of literally fading into the background in the uh, sort of leading up to the Indianapolis when he sort of stood in the shadows and 
but we see him come out of uh, come out of that as well but I just think it's it's subtle the character work that they're doing with Brody in the back half of this film so I think it is completely unfair to say that mm. Brody doesn't have a part to play in this and or he's not important because all of these small little things that we're seeing and this journey that Brody is going on, like you're basically starting at, at, at day one for, for Brody on the boat, like all the stuff that has happened earlier in, in the film, relevant and, and forms a part of him. But he, as we mentioned, defeated the, the enemy in the first half of the film, the enemy being Larry. And he's, you know, the end of that, he is looking out to see, and sort of the you know the next the next thing he has to tackle but because it's something that is so out of his comfort zone and so something that he has never experienced before he basically goes back to to tiny little baby steps at the beginning and being have you know having to be shown all of the things he needs to learn to get him to that place where he is the one that kills the shark in the end which is why it is so significant that Brody is the one is the one that does it. And I think the example that you're bringing up here is, is perfect. Like having Brody be the one who spots the, the oxygen tanks, like for the character, again, him seeing those there being reminded of that danger earlier on. And what did Hooper say to him then? He was like, you mess around with these and they're going to blow up. So even just mm -hmm. having that extra interaction between Brody and these oxygen tanks, it's, it's putting those, thoughts back into the character's mind as well so that when it does come down to that final showdown with the shark and he is the last man standing everything that he has experienced on the orca from the moment he got there has equipped him and prepared him for that showdown like that final moment so i i don't know what to tell you brody's really very important throughout the film <laughs> not just in yeah. the first half <laughs> Um, I also noticed, so <clears throat> there's this moment where towards the end of the scene this week where Quint grabs the harpoon gun and walks, he walks from the front of the boat to the back of the boat mm -hmm. to shoot the harpoon. Mm -hmm. So he's got the, the harpoon gun loaded and ready at the, at the front of the boat. We see this shot, it's inside the orca and we're looking through the windows at him. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that we kind of do that a lot when he's going around the boat. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, there was the 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 little ballet move a uh, couple weeks ago, I think now, um, where he he talks about, or he talks about, he, he goes fully around the boat. Like he does a whole lap. And we're not inside the orca, but we're on the opposite side of the orca from him. And we watch him through the windows, go around to the front of the boat and come back around. Um, I don't know the significance of that, uh, but I, I did notice. And it could just be an aesthetic thing where they want it to kind of repeat and have the same aesthetic over the course of the film. But I did notice that, you know, as he's traveling around the boat again, we're watching him through the windows. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not I'm not really sure what to to read into that, if anything, but it is it is an interesting choice. And I think as well, you bringing up that the moment that we praised, you know, a few scenes ago, it really wasn't that long ago where he was sort of making that very, uh, you know, ballet style move across the side of the boat. This Quint is a he's a little he's a little sloppier. Uh, so i think i don't know if it well i mean it probably has something to drink yes but i think also just the toil of the of the mission is really starting to get to him because he's quite maniacal in the way that he says yeah. his line as well and he and he laughs afterwards um and just the way he moves around the side of of the boat he does make it from from the front to the back without falling in but i think actually the the shot that where he sort of like moves delicately from like the front of the boat to the to the back or whichever way around it is and does like a little turn and grabs the gun and is right there in place. I think we see that from above, don't we? I think maybe we start off seeing it um, from inside the orca, but I think the the main bit of that shot we're we're outside the orca, sort of seeing seeing him move around. Um, 
so I don't I don't know if there's if there's something in in that in that you know this this time he's not he's not quite as as comfortable as he was moving around the boat a little bit earlier it's starting things are starting to get to him a little bit and perhaps he is not um operating at full <laughs> quint capacity as we've as we've seen earlier but um yeah i don't quint know capacity. <laughs> i don't know what uh i don't know what you thought about about that if there's if you like picked up on any difference in just the way that he moves around that time it just i i had it on a really good pause where he just you can just see the unsteadiness in his face <laughs> it's just <clears> kind <throat> of like what <laughs> as he's yeah this around. whole <laughs> This whole last half hour is basically this this image right here for Very Quint. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a chihuahua having a flashback to Vietnam. <laughs> um, I don't know how else to describe that. Yeah. Slow <laughs> <Little> face. <laughs> uh, he's seen some things. He's right back yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, even the way like he kind of takes the shot at the the shark, he's doing it from the hip. He's not he we don't see him shoulder the gun and like mm. look down the sights. He's got it literally at his hip and like is shooting um like he was caught off guard by it almost. Mm. Yeah, and that's a good point actually, because it's not the he's not aiming it like he did earlier right where he's sort of like lining up the shot and just taking a bit more time with it it's like <clears throat> he i think he says to brody as well like out of my way and sort of you know pushes pushes the two out the way to get to where he needs to and it's just like i just gotta take this shot like wherever it lands and i mean it does get the shark like right in the right in the mouth but it's yeah it's not the same sort of poise and precision that we've seen from from Quint earlier and actually the, the bit that I've just poised it on is when he's sort of like holding the gun as he's about to to shoot and he does sort of look a bit uh just in uh, the way his shirt is hanging out and stuff and a little bit red in the face and mm. perhaps uh things are starting to <laughs> things are starting to to get to him a little bit maybe it's the maybe it's the tooth I mean we mentioned <laughs> the the tooth gets taken out it was last week's yeah. scene or the scene before i think it was tim when he was on picked up on that yeah. um is the ocean's tooth now as uh as we've decided yeah. <laughs> it no longer belongs to quint so uh, tooth, the tooth, watch is, <laughs> tooth watch is back i guess maybe it will reappear we'll see but it's very clearly missing when when quint says <laughs> quint says his line uh some kind of connection between you know he was drunk when he when he took it out before this could be a quint thing where he's you know every time he's he's had a few too many uh moonshines he's like want to see me take out my tooth and then just pops it out so i don't know i i wrote in my notes there's something about this tooth <laughs> uh the rom -com. my favorite fairly brothers movie yeah the rom-com we never knew we needed the one with with Ben Stiller and yeah. Cameron Diaz. Yeah, there's something about tooth. There's something about toothy. Yeah. There we go. Um, <laughs> <That's so dumb. laughs> yeah, if it's, I, I've only just sort of like made that connection now, just like thinking about that Quint is acting quite sloppily and obviously like peak drunk Quint is that, yeah. you know, sharing scars type of thing. So yeah, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a sign, a sign that Quint is... Uh, is perhaps a little worse for wear. Yeah, I mean, he is funny because he's not the most well put together gentleman mm. to begin with, but he looks disheveled right, in, yeah. <laughs> in this scene. And it, it looks, it's less drunk and disheveled than, you know, the last couple scenes. And it's more like in the, in the thick of the war, mm. disheveled. Mm. Yeah, he's bandana less at this stage as well. Like, there's no, there's no mm -hmm. hat, there's no bandana, there's no tooth. Yeah. I mean, things are really starting to <laughs> starting to come apart for, for Quint. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's going wheels off now. Mm -hmm. uh, her, her her rudders off, I guess, since there are no wheels on the Orca. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do love the. We've sort of mentioned it a bit, but the the delivery of. Uh, 
of Quint's line and it's so out of place. I think I've only noticed like how out of place that interjection is from him when it's sort of, I was watching just this bit because the bit that comes like right after that line, Quint isn't still, you know, laughing, cackling to himself on the top of the orca. He's then looking quite serious, sort of like trying to, trying to steer the boat. So it does like almost come out of nowhere. It's like the, maybe the, Jekyll and Hyde version of Quint I don't know but I think that yeah it's it's a really great line I really love the the delivery of it as well like how how pleased he seems with himself as well and also I guess that even it's hmm, when you know what happens to Quint it's also kind of sad a little bit as well because even at this point he's still pretty confident that he is gonna you know he says um he's gonna have a heart attack when he sees what i've brought him so even at this point he's still fairly confident that he's he's gonna be the one to sort of reel in the shark and 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 take it back and take it to his his taxidermy man side note that's a spin-off i'd like to see just the exploits. my favorite Beatles song <laughs> of the taxidermy man yeah <laughs> favorite <Jesus. laughs> i'm the dumbest man uh <laughs> men are jerks um i so with that line delivery i love the way his face is framed mm. by the parts of the boat it is so cool and it doesn't have to be. It just is, it's such a flex of a shot that it, it makes me almost laugh that it's, it's in there. Like it's a beautifully composed shot. That's it's, I mean, it's real, um, uh, it's real busy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I like about it. I have, you know, if you guys have seen my, my jaws piece on my arm, um, it, it's called a junkie tattoo because it's there's a lot going on in it but that's kind of how the orca is like it's real junky mm. um but it never feels in the way uh of anything and also it goes to illustrate your point about like he shot every inch of this boat mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh i mean even here like there's no reason for it to look this good there's no reason for it to be shot this way like it could have been a standard just close up on quint uh, but it's not, it's, you know, it's got all this, like, it looks very industrial and, and, uh, you know, junky. There's just a bunch of, there's just a bunch of shit in the shot, but it, it's not hard to read. Like Quint is the focal point of the shot, but there's a lot of personality behind it. Yeah. It is such a flex. This, this shot. I'm glad that you use that phrase. It, it just, it doesn't need to be this great. And it is, which I think is why, which is why I love it and why that line kind of stands out. And also it sticks out in a, in another way in that it's not, we've seen a lot of, I say standard shots, like the shots haven't been really, really freaking cool because all of them have been. But in this sort of like moments leading up to this, it's sort of been fairly normal in terms of like the, the shot construction. But this is just interesting and different. And I think that, we see Quint frames like this a couple of other times as well. I'm just thinking of the bit when he's in his cabin and we see him sort of like through the stairs or like behind the stairs or mm-hmm. something, isn't he? And um, his little face poking through as well when he's talking to Quint about the the cage. I'm sure there's a bit where where he's sort of like shot through the cage. I might be imagining that. Um, but certainly in his cabin when when you sort of see him like through the stairs. So this is kind of similar to to that shot in a way um but a much uh sloppier more <laughs> weather beaten version of quint uh that we're seeing in in this moment than when he was in his cabin sort of uh sipping against it and and real cocky and confident <laughs> um yeah but yeah. well i think you could also see it as he's sort of trapped by the orca mm. um you know this is in no uncertain terms, like showing that this is, you know, it's close, it's closing in around him. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Mm. Like he, 
this is this is it for him basically isn't it it's yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. take that sam mendes <laughs> jaws did it first yeah uh, that's one of the sides of like a really early episode wasn't it jaws did it first i think things come yeah. full circle yeah i think so <laughs> I think so. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, people like to talk a lot about American Beauty. We don't really talk about that movie a lot anymore because of, you know, who it stars. Uh, also, because that movie sucks. I don't like American Beauty. Um, but there's a lot of really, I'll say good. I think that movie's super pretentious. But the, the there's a lot of shots that show kind of how trapped the main character feels. Um, by kind of positioning certain things as almost like vertical bars across his face that he feels like the suburban life that he's living is sort of a jail for him. Um, and a lot of people point to that as like really good visual storytelling. And it's not not really good visual, visual storytelling. It is, I just hate that movie. And also <laughs> people point to it uh, very much as like, this is like peak cinema. Well, the movie came out in 1999. This mm. is 21 years before it, and it does essentially the same thing. Mm. Um, so I don't, I, I don't, I really have never understood. I think this is why I have a chip on my shoulder about that that particular aspect of the film. Of like people really point to it as like, ah, oh, he did something here, and he did, but it's not new necessarily. <laughs> yeah, as with all things. Jaws did it first. No, there are many things yeah. that Jaws was inspired by, <laughs> like yes. every Hitchcock yeah. film uh, that we've yeah, mentioned yeah. many times. Um, but there, I sorry, I had to go back and find it because it was bothering me that um, whether I remembered it correctly or not. But yeah, I just put in the Discord that there when Hooper is talking to to Quint mm. about the the cage or when the cage is being mm. loaded up onto the orca, we do get another sort of like shot of quint through a thing or behind a thing so maybe this we're sort of answering our own question earlier as well about like why we frequently see quint shot through the the windows of the of the orca or you know through through the cage or through the sort of the the i don't know parts of the the orca that we're talking about in this scene as well and when he says that line is that this sense of quint and the orca sort of being one like we it's we talked before i think about how quint has got this boat set up in a way that to most people is probably quite haphazard but to quint it absolutely works you know the way he's got those barrels rigged up to just sort of one to roll forward as soon as one is is fired off and everything is is sort of how he would like it and, and where he would like it so this connection between quint and his boat i think is is an important thing and here we go reading too much into a thing but that's what we do uh as the orca is at this stage of the film the orca is kind of getting battered mm. and bruised and knocked about a bit and there are uh, two casualties in this back half of the film and that is quint and that is the orca the orca does not yeah. survive the trip either so yeah and i mean you know uh, well so my apologies for spacey posting in the discord but uh, those <laughs> those are those are the the shots of american media that a lot of people point to there's also yeah. one of him in the shower um but i mean it's the same same vibe right mm -hmm. like this mm -hmm. is and this is a character who does not see the end of the film yeah um and this is also arguably an ideal that does not see the end of the film american beauty like it's a takedown of the suburban you know american dream or whatever and it also like Spacey dies at the end of the movie um, and is very similar. I'm not saying that it's directly inspired by Jaws because, you know, Jaws isn't the only movie to have a sort of ideological death and a character death tied or that something's been imprisoning them. That's their downfall at all. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's just weird because it's, I mean, American Beauty is such a wildly different movie <laughs> um, that uh, it's, it's, really a testament to like the variety of filmmaking uh, approaches and like that there's not really one right way to do it um, that can still get messages across. And like, you know, I think that 
Jaws is not about the the murdering of the suburban nightmare. If anything, it's about reestablishing the sort of idyllic American dream. Um, and, uh, you know, American Beauty is not, but it's still very, like, connected visually and uh, with the way it's structured thematically. Um, and, you know, couldn't, no one's comparing these two films. <laughs> you know, like it's it's really interesting to the, to think about it, and uh, you know, don't see American Beauty because it's dumb and pretentious. But but I think that's the other thing too is like it essentially has some a lot of similarities thematically and with these characters. Uh, but I hate one of these movies, and the other one's my favorite <laughs> film of all time. Yeah, just because you borrow from the greatest film of all time doesn't make your film the greatest film of all time. <laughs> Yeah, that's the lesson to be learned from this. But yeah, yeah. well, and I mean, you know, if we're, if we're talking about what most people consider the greatest film of all time, the Citizen Kane also has a lot of that, right? Of mm. him kind of getting trapped by his own uh, in a prison of his own making, essentially, and it being his downfall and his final thoughts being, you know, the yearning for when things were simpler when he was a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like after a certain point, it's just kind of fair game to spoil a film, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? The moratorium's still out on Citizen Kane, the 75-year-old movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone listening to this now, real pissed. That we just <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The 81-year-old movie. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I Coming back to Quinn, I just... I'm now just really obsessed with this idea of of Quint and the orca kind of being being one thing. And I think that feels like one of those things I should have picked up on every single time I've watched Jaws, but I just haven't. And the, you know, the the saying, and I, I had to look it up just, just to check that it was a thing and wasn't just from Titanic, second time we've mentioned that film now, um, about the captain going down, <clears throat> excuse me, the captain mm. going down with the ship, um, yeah. which from the Wikipedia excerpt is a, a maritime tradition that a sea captain holds ultimate responsibility for both their ship and everyone embarked mm-hmm. on it, and in an emergency will either save those on board or die trying. Uh, we will get back to our uh, Quint's sacrificial uh, death or the what makes it, uh, ties it back to the sort of other analogy that we've we've been looking at when we get to it, I think. But it, it this just makes a whole load of sense now that I sit down and think about it and I feel like the world's dumbest person for just never uh, really putting two and two together <laughs> before. But here we are. <laughs> Um, I mean, I've never done it either, so (laughs) we are extremely qualified to host this show is what we're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, we've, I don't think at any, any point we've ever pretended to be those people who are like, I know absolutely every single thing there is about Jaws. We love and adore this film and we are discovering it in whole new ways every single week. Uh, As is pointed out by the many, many times we have been shook to our very core by some kind of revelation (laughs) that either one of us or someone has brought to the podcast those real like oh shit moments where we're just like huh (laughs) there's a different way of viewing my favorite film that I must have watched like 50 odd times or something (laughs) yeah well and I think that's um you know not to get too meta about the uh the show itself but I think that's one of the reasons we're doing the show sort of is it's like uh you know it's it's obviously we love the film but this is just a way to explore every nook and cranny of it mm-hmm. in a way that we haven't before and probably won't ever again <laughs> um and but the, the, within that we can really dig in and dig around and and you know poke and prod and overanalyze and um i had a larger point i was getting to with that and i don't remember what it was um <laughs> so i will leave it at that where it's just you know it's it's just a way for us to discover our favorite thing uh you know in a way that we haven't before mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's funny how <laughs> we're always like i don't know why i've never noticed this before and all the other times i've watched it and it's like yeah because you haven't been watching it minute by minute you dumb idiot like <laughs> yeah I have to tell myself that all the time where I'm like suddenly shocked that I've learned something new and I'm like, 
of course you have because <laughs> this is a new experience watching this film in this way which is why so many people as well have been like our episodes and the discussions that we've gotten into with all our guests as well is you know <clears throat> is making people see the film in a different way because yes i'm sure there are things that that you pick up on the more you watch something you know thematically or or just in the in the characters and how the shots are composed and all the rest of it there are things that you pick up on the more familiar you become with a film but this is a whole this is a whole different kettle of fish <laughs> kettle of sharks yeah. if well, you will <clears throat> that's uh that's the point i was going to make we've talked a lot about the on the show of how most of what both of us do are for an audience of one, and that's ourselves. And I think, um, particularly when it comes to jokes, uh, and I think that was sort of the genesis of the podcast, where it was like, I would like to do that. Like, mm-hmm. it was an idea that was sparked strictly for our own entertainment. <laughs> and uh, the fact that people listen to it is just kind of a bonus, I think. Um yeah. <laughs> I, because if we had two listeners every week, I think we would still be doing this podcast through to the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mostly just for what we get out of it as well. Yeah. Like, just, it's great that, that, obviously great that people are on board with it, which is miraculous and blows yeah. my mind every time I think about yes, it, yes, yes. that people would want to listen to us banging on about it every we- week, but... <laughs> We are appreciative, but selfish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to tell you guys. If you weren't here, we'd still be doing this anyway. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> this, is just a, this is just a bonus. Uh, <laughs> that happens to people who listen, like, and enjoy it. It's great. What yeah. a thrill. I, I say to people, I'm like, I get to talk about my favorite film for like an hour plus every single week like this is the actual dream i feel like yeah right (laughs) my favorite thing that i that i have done creatively is this podcast because it's just every single week i get to learn something new about my favorite film like how freaking cool is that it's great it's great Yep, and it's made me better and more insufferable to watch movies with hard agree on that, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> particularly jaws uh <laughs> yes yeah to watch this movie specifically with me i think now is a nightmare mm. but mm-hmm. you know i think there are other things that i watch where i'm like oh it's like not even like it's like jaws i literally just notice more details in the stuff that i watch now mm-hmm. uh and mm-hmm. i'm annoying so i point them out yes yeah, I was. Oh, what, I was watching a film recently. I think it was. Uh, was rewatching the day the Earth stood still, and there's like real kind of heavy uh, Christ analogies in that film as well, like a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. And I, after when I was writing about the film, I was obviously like doing a bit of research into it as well, and like the character's name, the initials are like JC, and he's a carpenter, oh. and like the surname is Carpenter or something, and he's like the person who has come to like save humanity and i'm like there we go like (laughs) it's right there wow (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's real in your face yeah it sure is and and it's it's i I joke a bit it's like it is well handled in the film because i think you could watch it and not pick up on any of that stuff at all but my brain is just trained in this weird way now to just like look for the extra thing in a film which is very helpful when it comes to to writing about it or or speaking about it i had this recording that sorcerer episode with uncut gems as well Mm. like maybe only the third or fourth time i've watched sorcerer and i was watching it knowing that i was going to have to talk about it in depth on a podcast like really made me watch that film in a a very very different way so yeah uh 10 out of 10 would recommend uh (laughs) starting a podcast about your favorite film because uh there's, there's a lot to get out of it. Yep. <laughs> um, I had one very quick thing left mm-hmm. in my notes, uh, which I don't know what to tell you guys, but according to the Netflix subtitles, the shark does indeed roar. Uh, no shit. <laughs> because when the it's the bit, uh, is it the bit when it pops up? Uh, but it says in the subtitles, 
roars. So there it is. Uh, (laughs) It's when Quint says out of my way and then the little uh, subtitle for the sound that you're hearing, it says roars. So Okay. Netflix got some explaining to do or maybe Spielberg does. I don't know. (laughs) I don't really care that much. (laughs) Some people really get their, like, be in a bonnet about whether the shark roars or not. And I'm like, there's a film. This shark does a bunch of things that a real shark wouldn't do. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good enough for the Ouija shark, good enough for Jaws. That's how I see it. <laughs> That's what I like to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that is a perfect note to end things on, unless, <laughs> unless you've got anything else to mention about this week's scene. I do not. All righty. Um, well, that is uh, that is it for, for this week, uh, discussion-wise anyway. Uh, MJ, do you have anything that you would like to plug this week? Um, I do. Uh, I cannot speak to the quality of these films, but you are discerning listeners. <laughs> and uh, I was recently tipped off to the Bigfoot Versus series mm-hmm. of films um, by, uh, shout out to Jason, who is a listener, I think, uh, if not, well, you'll hear it if you hear it. Um, <laughs> he posted last night that he was watching a film of uh, uh, with some friends called Bigfoot versus Megalodon. Nice. And <laughs> uh, what, which is great in and of itself. But the thing that really caught my eye was one of the credits at the top said from the producers of Bigfoot versus the Illuminati. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in with whatever is happening here. <laughs> well, in my research, I've learned that there are four films in the Bigfoot Versus series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent, I'll go from most recent to the first one, because the first one is my favorite one as far as a concept. Uh, so Bigfoot Versus Megalodon is the newest in the franchise, just came out this year. Uh, you'll be shocked to learn that they pump one of these out every year, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh Bigfoot versus the Illuminati came out in 2020, which I learned that the plot of that one is that uh, space-dwelling humans enlist the help of Van Helsing and Bigfoot to take on the Illuminati so they can inhabit Earth once again. Uh, And then in 2016, so there was a four-year gap, Bigfoot versus zombies. Mm -hmm. And in 2014, the one that started it all, Bigfoot versus... D.B. Cooper. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, Which is a real... Man. So if you're unfamiliar with who D.B. Cooper is, uh, I don't... Is D.B. Cooper a thing in not America? I don't think so. (laughs) So D.B. Cooper is an unidentified man who he hijacked a Boeing 727 aircraft in 1971, um, extorted $200,000 in ransom, and then jumped out with a parachute of the plane, and they never found him. But he did this over Washington State, which is where Bigfoot canonically lives. (laughs) It all makes sense now. <laughs> yep. So that's why I was like, that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> what? Uh, my question is, what would you like to see next in the uh, Bigfoot versus? Yeah, series? where do you go from there? Whalewolf? Mm. Uh, oh, you know what? Bigfoot versus Wendigo, I think, would be great. <laughs> versus what now? <laughs> Uh, Wendigo. So Wendigo is a, uh, uh, it's, it's a Native American folk, uh, lore thing. Okay. It's like a, it's like a horned beast type thing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yep. <laughs> um, I just, I want there to be more Wendigo movies in general. <laughs> That's all. Bigfoot versus Wendigo. Is it, this is the thing you're plugging this week. Is that, uh, the Bigfoot versus series. Yes. Okay. know where this is going like maybe you were starting a podcast series about this you were on a podcast talking about it you wanted you were written about it just thought it was neat (laughs) yep 
uh i love that i feel that my plug is now really lame compared to that but um (laughs) (laughs) i will be checking out these films because you know this is the kind of trash that i will absolutely devour so yeah i'm gonna be looking for where i can watch the bigfoot versus series i'm guessing it's like I need to be with someone in the sort of you know Ouija shark kind of yeah it seems uh, that way yeah okay all right not one yeah. to watch alone and expect a masterpiece because uh, no yeah got it okay uh, I <laughs> have been doing uh, some writing for Looper as always I've written a bunch of stuff recently uh, everything from MCU to Downton Abbey so anything you would like to read about chances are probably written about it um so the easiest way to find all of the stuff that i have written is uh looper.com forward slash author forward slash sarah buttery and there you can find all the stuff that i have written um the thing that i mentioned about the day the earth is still i think that was in the 10 greatest sci-fi films piece that i wrote for them um which is based on the the AFI list. So do not come for me and say, why is this Mm. film not in the list? Because I went off the list that the AFI uh, put together as instructed and just wrote about those films. So for all the people who are in my mentions, like, where's Total Recall? Where's this other film? And I'm just like, look, guys, it says in the title, according to AFI. I don't know. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Don't uh, don't come for me. Yes, so you can find that. I think the link is in my my Twitter bio as well. Uh, Twitter, you can find the podcast. We are at Jaws for a minute. You can find me. I'm at Sarah Buddery and MJ is at MJSmith891. We're also on Instagram at Jaws for a minute. Uh, or you can email us, Jaws for a minute at gmail.com. Anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, we will probably respond. Uh, you can support the show in a number of ways so you can rate review and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice Uh, that really helps us out pushes us up the charts helps more people find us which we love Uh, as we said we would continue doing this if no one listened but it's really lovely that people do listen (laughs) we'd like to continue that um uh yeah so other ways you can support you can get our merch through t public and redbubble uh, thanks as always to Alex, who is at Hex Ghosts on Twitter for designing those. Our theme song can be purchased uh, through uh, Kristen's Bandcamp. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. lost the place on my notes. Uh, at Kristen Falls Music on Instagram. The link is in her bio. It's also in our link tree as well. And uh, if you would like to donate uh, to us through our coffee page, we would really appreciate that um it's three dollars or three pounds minimum and that gets you an entry into a draw uh to win some merch when we hit our donation goal and gets you a shout out on the show as well uh and a shout out because we had a donation this week to uh christopher hood who made his second donation to us so Mm -hmm. you get another shout out why the hell not um so even if you donated before donate again and we'll say your name once again on the podcast um so huge thank you uh to him for that donation and to everyone else who has donated through that as well. Um, I think that is everything. Uh, All of our links, uh, everything we've mentioned, you can find on our Twitter and Instagram link tree. That's the best place to find all of the stuff that we uh, we bang on about. So you can find that one easy to find place. Uh, But that's it for this week. Until next time, it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere.